Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Throw It Batch. We aren't just your typical Bachelor Nation podcast, we are all-knowing, all-seeing. AKA, we cover spoilers, news and gossip, astrology, and more. You have been warned. We get spiritual, we get witchy, and sometimes a little bit tipsy. I'm Sam. And I'm Melissa. Let's throw it back. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Throw It Batch. I'm very sorry that we have not been as consistent with our episodes. It's the holidays. I'm staying in my 10-year-old cousin's room right now in Utah. We're all over the place, but we are doing our best to give you that coverage. So please don't forget about us. How are you doing, Melissa? I'm good over here on Eastern Standard Time <laughs> while you're in Mountain Time. Yes. And um, I unfortunately got here to Utah to see my family. And a few days after I got here, they all got COVID. So <laughs> I have been like the COVID queen. Um, everywhere I go, it follows me, it seems. Talk about timing. Now, what was supposed to be a, a trip yeah. is now family lockdown family lockdown but you know it was okay it was still nice to spend Christmas with them and um, I'm still here figured I might as well stick it out through the new year I'm kind of regretting that now but anyways I am just happy everybody is okay how was your holiday Melissa it was um good I can't complain I'm sure a lot of you though that are listening to this between our last few episodes when we've been talking about having COVID and all yep. of this, I'm sure a bunch of you have gotten it because literally I think over half the people I know right now have gotten COVID in the last couple of weeks, which is just nuts. So be careful. Right. Iron like ironically, a lot of people kind of have the same story as me where it's like, you know, I've had so many close calls in the past and just my body defended it somehow. And then it finally like it finally snagged me. So uh, stay healthy, stay safe out there, and um, sending love. I'm excited to talk about, finally, the finale of The Bachelorette because I thought it was a really, really beautiful episode. We're going to, you know, kind of just skirt through this a little bit because we all know what happened. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty. We're going to get into a lot of the podcast interviews that took place over the past um, week or so. But first, we have, I just want to give a shout-out to Caitlin, Caitlin Bristow, for holding down that the house with that live audience, you know, like you could tell that she worked really hard. Um, and Tasha was not there. She said that she was stuck, I guess, in somewhere, um, because she had been exposed to COVID. But then she posted something on her Instagram the next day that she then deleted, which was her flying, traveling. So people think that the whole COVID excuse may have been her just being like, I don't want to do this again. I can't do another like live studio audience show. I have a lot going on. Don't want to break down in tears on live television kind of thing. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it also could be the holidays and her just having a lot of complications with, you know, the schedule. Who knows? But Caitlin killed it. Um, and I liked how um, Joe and Serena were there, Becca and Thomas were there kind of like throughout the whole thing. And we were checking in with them and the whole Polly thing was pretty stupid, but it made me giggle a little bit. Let's get into Brandon. So he meets Michelle's parents. He's already met them and they're already like obsessed with him. And it's really, really cute. And both mom and dad are like, you are welcome into our family. 
if Michelle picks you. Um, what are your thoughts on like Brandon's journey and like his authenticity? Because at the beginning we were like, is he too good to be true? Is he a sweet talker? But I really think that he's like genuinely that sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've said before, he's the heartbreak kid because he wears his heart on his sleeve. He says later on, like I've, you know, I'm usually not this vulnerable and all this stuff. I I actually believe that based on what I've seen in his chart, but um, I think he's always still like felt it. I think he's, he, he knows he can get carried away Mm -hmm. given the opportunity. So that's why he's always resisted it. I feel so bad for him. I do love him. And he would be an amazing lead, honestly, because he would, you know, I know a lot of girls would gush over him and he would gush back. Yeah. It would be a real mushy, mushy, gushy season. Um, But, you know, Michelle, this doesn't always happen. Like for instance, with Katie's season, this certainly didn't happen that she's like, I'm in love with two people or more than one people. And, you know, she's telling each of them that she is in love with them. And in an ITM um, after he meets her family again, she says she keeps on falling even more and more in love with him and her parents want her to be with someone like Brandon is what they say. So it's like, I swear with these shows, if the parents are gung-ho for one of the final two, they're never going to pick them ever. It's interesting how that works. And I hate to keep bringing up double shot of love with <laughs> Vinny and Polly because the Vinny being like the mama's boy chose the one person um his mom liked the most because she was a nurse and you know all the all this stuff and they didn't even work out like they didn't even talk to each other after um sometimes like mama doesn't know best and they're kind of going with like a picture in their head of what they think is like a nice person and and it's you want your parents to like the person that you're into but unfortunately there's been a few examples of that, like um, Jason Mesnick back in the day, you know, how he had the first switcheroo to, you know, really happen. And Melissa, the woman he initially chose was like the one his family liked the best, like the safest choice. And then he ended up picking her and then it didn't work out. And honestly, same with Ari and Lauren. Um, Like Becca was like the favorite, the safe choice. And Lauren still wasn't like very expressive about her feelings and wasn't good at emoting on camera and to his family and he picked Becca and then look what happened so I mean I think at the end of the day um, Michelle did make a good choice and I definitely have uh, flip-flopped a little bit on my feelings for Nate so (laughs) let's get into uh, him meeting the family he was really awkward and shy and he says he's in love with her but he's never been in love before which obviously her parents are like red flag, red flag. And um, Michelle's sister seems really awesome. She was there too and was asking Nate, you know, if he would move to Minnesota. And he was like, yeah, I guess like I can move anywhere. And then Michelle's sister was like, okay, that's good to know. But how about staying somewhere? Which I thought was a really interesting point that she brought up. That was an interesting point because um, I like I've said, I'm like, I, the only thing I was team Nate through all the villainization that they've tried to pose on him throughout the season. I've always been like guarding him, like understanding where he's coming from. But the only thing that got me weary was that they never spoke of logistics, but it turns out that they kept those, those conversations under wraps on purpose. Yeah. I'll like mention this too a little bit later, but during Rachel Lindsay's season, 
Ryan, uh, Ryan, during Rachel Lindsay's season, Brian, her now husband, who she chose, got a really similar edit to Nate. And they and people were really upset that she picked him. They were like, what? This doesn't make any sense. But they edited him in a way that was like really unfavorable for some reason. And and Nate has a lot to say, which we'll get into about his edit um, and the way he was portrayed, because even other people, too, um, I think it was Rodney on Caitlin Bristow's podcast was like, I really don't like the way they're portraying Nate. Like, you have no idea. There's so much more to him than like what you're seeing. And he's really amazing. And like the person you're seeing on screen is not really who he is. But, you know, the mom was really hard on Nate and she straight up was like, I don't think you're ready. And, you know, she was already obsessed with Brandon and, and I did feel bad for Nate at this point. I do think Nate is someone that's used to getting what he wants and is, has a ton of confidence. But I think after this meeting with the family was the moment that he actually got scared and realized he might not have it in the bag, as people said, he said the bag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, parents that are so protective of their, you know, child and they're very protective of Michelle and given her history in relationships they have every right to be of course but he's a very realistic person and he's put in an unrealistic circumstance and Mm -hmm. not only that was put second following someone as adorable and cute as Brandon so it was like all these odds were sort of against him and then you know you know the producers kept meant you know emphasizing on the fact that he's never been in love before like please can we like normalize that it's just you can fall in love at any time if you've never been in love before and I'm really glad that like you've shared your experience with your husband and you're like Mm -hmm. he wasn't you know either and we're married and we're happy and it's fine I mean I also think that like it's so easy to attack the people on the show who don't follow this like fairy tale storyline and are just being realistic but I think at the end of the day those are probably the people that are like the better ones to end up with because they aren't like pretending I mean I do think that Brandon was really crushed and really loved Michelle I think Brandon was an exception but I feel like most final twos like they get home and they're okay like they're they're fine they weren't like the stuff they were saying maybe they weren't trying to lie but they were just so caught up in the moment and weren't being authentically themselves. Whereas other people who are like, let's wait and see what happens, but I really care about you. Those are the people you probably want to end up with that it can really grow into something. Yeah. People get swept away. Even the lead gets swept away and may come back and be like, wait, I was totally better off with this person that I, you know, look at what happened with Katie, someone she sent home like week two or three ended up being the person that she likes the most. She got swept away too. Like the lead can get swept away. You can get swept away. Like what, let's figure out what happens after the smoke clears. And also like another thing, you know, kind of referring back to like me and my husband's story, a lot of people have a different definition of what being in love is. Like I, feel like I've been in love three times. My husband's like, no, you're only in love with the person you marry and like are with forever and ever. You know what I mean? I'm like, so if we were to get divorced, would you look back on us and say, I must've not been in love? He's like, it depends how and why we divorce. Oh, see that. And that's what Sean Booth did to Caitlin Bristow, which I thought was mean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, have love and loss. Like, you know, it's kind of the point. A lot of people have a different definition. They think it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. 
it's like when, you know, the discussion of like, what's really heaven, you know what I mean? That it becomes like that. And it's just really hard when you say some, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I consider the person I was in love with in kindergarten to be my like first love. Like, I don't <laughs> think it like, to me, it doesn't mean like the end all be all, but for many people it does. And then we have like a final date with Brandon. They go jet skiing. I love a good jet ski. She, you know, tells him that she's in love with him too later that night. And he gives her a gift, which is the now cleaned, dirty sweatshirt that he was wearing the morning after their fantasy suite where they had a food fight. It's like, that's nice. And she loved it. So it must be an inside joke. I mean, I kind of get it, but also a little weird. And then they have this date with Nate. And yes, we have another spiritual date with Raul, the shaman. But I actually bought into this. I think he helped them. Yeah, you do. I do think he helped them. And I think Nate was actually really trying to take it seriously. He was like, wait, let me start over. Wait, let me, let me do it again. Like, give me more smoke. Smart. Sorry, man. Can I have some more smoke? Like, uh, Michelle, I am. And he was like nervous. And I, I don't know. I think that Raul, the shaman opened something up in them. I do. Yeah. Well, I, I can, I can sense like a more, a very, very spiritual energy coming from Nate, which is something that I liked about him, Mm -hmm. even though I did at some times get swept away with like the way he was edited. Yeah. Um, I, I always did sense like there was something like really spiritual about him and then like, and same thing with Olu and like hearing that they're both from like the same tribe. Like, I think that that's probably why he took it seriously because it's like, it's also part, not necessarily Raul, Mm-hmm. You know, that that particular shaman's not really from their culture, but I take a lot of it seriously because I know it comes like a lot of it comes in part to like my certain ancestry and stuff. So I just think that's really nice when like the person takes it seriously. Like yeah. Thomas, like when Bachelor in Paradise was so sweet. Oh I love that. God. That was amazing. And he wasn't even a part of it. He was like, everyone be quiet. We are witnessing something so special. <laughs> That's so yeah. cute. And I loved how Raul the shaman said to Nate that I can tell you're really emotional, but you pretend like you aren't. And I was like, hello, cancer. Like <laughs> cancer stellium. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, <laughs> after this shaman part, Michelle does say, like, you know, my family kind of feels uneasy and worried about you. And he shared this story how he came there with two suits. He didn't think he'd actually make it till the end. And now he's madly in love with her and wants to spend the rest of his life with her. And it was just really, really sweet. And that's also something really funny because all my cancer friends are the underpackers of <laughs> our, our, our trips. They like quality and the finer things, but they're not a sign of excess. Like they're mm-hmm. anti-excess. <laughs> yeah. So him being like, I'm sure two suits will be enough is such a cancer vibe. It's so funny. Yeah, we probably wouldn't work out. He would be very angry with me because of everything I pack. I feel like in the night portion of their date, she was holding back a little bit, making him work for it, which I appreciated. I would have done the same thing. And I will say, given this edit, I don't think this is accurate given everything he said after the show, but given this edit, it almost seems as though he's agreeing to propose to her because he doesn't want to lose her is what I wrote down. But I don't think that's actually true. I think it's just the way. And like, did he get her a gift too? And they just didn't show it like Brandon did. Brandon got her two things. He got, gave her the sweatshirt and then he also wrote her that letter. You know, when you think about it, given that 
this whole process ends in an engagement. Like I'm sure every time you actually get time with each other, you're trying to go over like the same bullet points over and over again. And depending on which conversation they actually air of you guys talking about the same thing, it might look like you're, you don't care or have like the right energy behind it, but actually it's like the sixth time you've talked about it. So that's why you're being like laissez-faire while mm-hmm. saying something, you know, and that's, it's such a mind F and like, it's the reason why sometimes we give the wrong people too much credit and the right people too little. I also really wanted to know if Brandon recorded the reading, the voiceover of the letter after he got dumped. I have a feeling that he had to record that after he got dumped in post. Either that, or they were like, oh, you want us to hand her this letter, Brandon? Please read it out loud. And so, yeah, I mean, it's the final rose ceremony and the breakup with Brandon was probably one of the most brutal breakups ever because it's almost easier when the person gets mad to watch, you know, it's less painful, but he was so respectful and, you know, he said he truly wishes her nothing but happiness. She walks him out, they're holding hands. They have a hard time letting go of each other. And she said, and he's like, I just want you to be happy. And she's like, I want you to be happy too. And he's like, your happiness comes above mine. And, and they both leave each other saying they love each other crying. And props to Michelle once again for choosing a smoky eye for some, you know, for a day that she knows she's probably going to end up crying, but it successfully Mm -hmm. stays perfectly intact. And the proposal with Nate was also like a fairy tale and you know, he mentions how early on they joked and said, like, let's run away together. And he says he still feels the same way. And he's completely prepared and willing to make sure that she's always chosen first and seen. And, um, you know, then she kind of does the fake out where she says her fear was to not be loved as much as the other person loves her. And that there were moments where that fear started to creep through their conversations and that this hasn't been a smooth ride, dot, dot, dot. But She's not willing to face the fear of walking away from this without him and that she's never felt love like this before, doesn't want to wake up to anyone besides him. And he tells her he loves her, gets on one knee and proposes. She says yes. And then she says, this is my soul, Nate. She had me gushing over that. And it looked like a really genuine proposal as well. Minus the waves being so freaking loud. I bet they regret putting that stage, the proposal stage so close to the ocean. It was literally like the waves are crashing on it. They've done it before and it didn't sound like that. So somebody messed up. I think someone messed up. Someone got fired. Someone got (laughs) fired. Um, But yeah, let's talk a little bit about the after the final rose. You know, Brandon talks with Caitlin he's still, you know, pretty torn up about it. And then Caitlin shows him this photo that she creepily took of him from her hotel room on the beach, sitting on a rock, crying, looking at the sunset. Caitlin is a woman of my own soul because I would have done the same thing. I'm a weirdo like that. And I would have sent it to you. Like, I know you're like heartbroken, but like, look at this sick photo. (laughs) So it's so emo. (laughs) She's like the beauty and the pain. So Gemini of her to do that, to take that moment and be like, Let's look at the bird's eye view of this, but it is beautiful. And she needs to pry that photo from ABC ownership and, you know, give it to Brandon, let him sell it as an NFT. <laughs> let him get something out of that pain. Matt James um, can help him. Yeah. You know, what was awkward though, was that Brandon wanted answers from Michelle mm-hmm. and he really couldn't understand like how she could 
have been in love with two people. And it was sad to see Brandon sort of be an audience member. Mm-hmm. You know, he fell for that edit as well. He's probably learning like many others in real time. Like this is actually a great pairing. And he's just so respectful. Like Caitlin asked him, you know, are you still in love with Michelle? And he was like, in an appropriate way. Like I would never sit here while she's engaged to Nate and be like, I'm still in love with you. He's like, you know, that's not, I'm no, like I'm happy for her. I truly want them to work out. And in a little bit, we'll get into the stuff that he said um, on Nick Thiles podcast, which was really interesting. But yeah, he didn't get many answers from her. He also said fuck on live television, which was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. And and about her parents of all things, it wasn't even like a moment of rage. It's like, I just I still miss your fucking parents. Um, I think his answer though, for that, like loving her in an appropriate way was the perfect answer. I was almost like mouthing it as I was watching mm-hmm. it for him being like, cause I know exactly what he means. You know, it's like, every time they go through one of these processes, whether it's Bachelor in Paradise or The Bachelorette, The Bachelor, like it becomes sort of high school, mm-hmm. like a crash high school. And it's like, yeah, you know, I loved you. I had the biggest crush on you then, but like, I'm happy for you as you're with my best friend. And like, mm-hmm. you still have the amount of like care, like you, you're, you still love them, but that love is transformed to like, you care for them because- mm-hmm you can't love them in that way anymore. That love has to be transformed. And a lot of people don't believe that that can happen. And I feel sorry for them, but I, I believe that you can, you know, totally put, you know, that amount of feelings in a new box and like repurpose it. And I think that that was nice that he was able to like show that and kind of leave like the people that are waiting for there to be drama and him for to be lusting in the corner. Like, you know, make those voices kind of shut up. Yeah. And, you know, he'll be just fine, more than just fine. Like he's probably already has girls all over him constantly. The DMs are packing. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But then of course we have Nate and Michelle come out. They seem so happy and in love. I feel like we're really seeing like a different side to Nate and unedited side that we didn't, you know, see before. And um, he talks about how, he fell in love with her that it's like, and he compared it to like the song analogy. He's like, I'm not good at analogies or metaphors, but it's like (laughs) when you hear a song for the first time, you're like, oh, I kind of like that song. And then you hear it the next time. And you're like, I really like that song. Then you hear it like a million times. And all of a sudden you're like, I love this song. He's like, after my first one-on-one with Michelle, I didn't need to hear the song again. Like I knew that that's what it was, but it still was something that was growing Um, and that we, you know, wanted to nurture. And I thought that was really like heartfelt of him. He was really trying to like speak from the heart, even though like some people might've thought it didn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. But a lot of people walked away not thinking it made any sense. It made sense to me, Nate. Me too. We got you. We got got you. you. (laughs) Yeah. We're we're weirdos also. So we're good. I know you would think he's an Aquarius moon. (laughs) You would think he's the Aquarius moon, but it's actually Brandon who is. So it's interesting how that, you know, I know. Kind of like flip-flopped. Speaking of flip-flop, Michelle's mom has flip-flopped as uh, not skinny, but not fat would say like a steak. She always has the steak emoji and she's like, I flipped, I flipped because she'll Oh, have- she puts a steak emoji. Yeah. Yeah. Because she has an opinion about someone and she's like, I don't like them. And then it changes. And she's like, just kidding. I flipped. But um, <laughs> that's what, um, you know, Michelle's mom did. She's like, we love 
we love Nate now so much. And she mentioned a text that he sent Michelle that Michelle showed her and it made her cry. And meanwhile, she's sitting next to his parents. Apparently the moms are besties now, which was not what I was expecting. So cute to see the mom chemistry in that situation. Like they were literally holding each other. Like, I know that's like everyone's dream to have parents that can get along like that. Mm-hmm. Only one of my friends has it. And I'm so jealous. <laughs> he says he's moving to Minnesota very soon in the next few months. And then Polly brings out a gingerbread house with a check in it, which we've now learned was for $200,000 for a down payment for a house, which was wild. This has never happened before. Um, I'm really happy for them, but I wonder why they chose them. Like, is it because they've had not good luck with couples staying together recently? And so they're like, here, please take this money and don't break up. If we were to make a pie graph, that has to be a slice of that pie graph of yeah. all the reasons why they did that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, sorry, we edited you, you the way we did Two, Please stay. We need a successful relationship. And let's sort of celebrate the fact that we finally have like black love as you know on on the bachelorette like it's happened in bachelor in paradise they see how much the audience you know how well the audience has reciprocated to it another reason to make sure that this you know is successful as well also i think they you know i think the producers really liked nate though i i think the editing room and the people that are like the camera people and the boots on the ground i think they're different from each other Mm -hmm. I, they did show clips of Nate always giving the group pep talks in the beginning episodes. Like, do you remember that? Yeah. Like you see the guys sitting down and Nate's like, don't be nervous. And this is that, and you know, and he was like saying really nice words of encouragement mm-hmm. to the group. So I think I, they've had to have seen like a really great side of him. Also, Michelle, she wants to change the world. They know that from a philanthropic standpoint, she's going to do a lot for the franchise and she's a teacher. Like if you're not giving back to the teachers, who are you? And so, yeah, they are really happy. Uh, we'll give some updates for you guys in news and gossip in a little bit with all these podcast interviews. Let's briefly talk about Clayton. I think that the franchise is trying to make us feel guilty and feel like bad for him. So we have empathy for him, which I completely do. Um, it worked. And what they did was <laughs> mean. It was straight up mean. They had him read mean tweets about himself that you know people have been saying and even Caitlin she's introducing him and she goes I usually say you don't need an introduction but you do because nobody knows who he is I was like dang burn Burn after burn I know and he reads a tweet about Rodney like should have been the next bachelor and then he said actually I hope that he is in the future Rodney like Rodney just seems very close with everyone and yeah there was a tweet at least they like called it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least they put attention on that. Cause like, I'm still waiting for Rodney. I know, but I don't know. I just felt like him having to read it. Like that didn't, he's still a normal person. He's not like, yeah. like for a celebrity to read it, like Jennifer Lopez is different than this guy that like, is just, it seems like a relatively normal guy, you know? Yeah. And lest we not forget he didn't steal anyone. You know what I mean? He didn't Mm -hmm. steal it from anyone. He was approached with an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, it was bestowed upon him and I wish it was bestowed on Rodney, but it's not Clayton's fault. And I get that we can project a certain amount of frustration on Clayton, but like, 
let's not take it this far. It's kind of weird. But it also like, why can't, it's just something so weird about this franchise that they can't get away with the things that other people get away with. Like the reading the mean tweets about yourself is something that's so funny on, what's that talk show that they always Jimmy do it Kimmel. on? Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel, right. It's like, he should have done it on Jimmy Kimmel, especially since Jimmy Kimmel does so much Bachelor coverage. Like, yeah, it does it's just super uncomfortable in the way that they performs that. Well, and what's ironic is that, you know, think about Peter's season at the women tell all and other seasons, they've had like Rachel Lindsay on and stuff to be like, this is bullying. Like this isn't okay to speak to these women that way. And to say these things. And yet they're literally making Clayton read very mean things about himself and everyone's laughing. And I'm like, yeah, okay, double this is- standard alert. <laughs> I mean, a really big double standard because it's not even like the girls were reading the tweets about themselves. Like Rachel Lindsay was reading them. I remember from one of the women tell all, and it was just like, this is not okay. This is bullying. And we're sitting here having to see Clayton read them about himself and like pretend to laugh. Yeah. As much as we were like, you know, I have to admit I'm guilty for saying a lot of mean things about Clayton. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still, you know, now my Aquarius moon in me needs to root for the underdog and you guys made him an underdog and now I feel bad and now I have to make up for it so stay tuned for next season as we we recap Clayton I mean honestly (laughs) I think next season looks good and at the end of the day it's really usually not about the lead it's about the cast and the the cast cast looks wild and they literally show his final three in the promo, which from what we could gather online is Gabby W. Um, she's an ICU nurse and um, Genevieve P, who I believe used to date Dean and knows different people within the franchise. And then Rachel R, who's a commercial pilot, which I think is really freaking cool. Um, yeah. See a lot of female pilots at all. The season looks like really messy and fun. I kind of could see this season being a little bit like Pilot Pete's, but with a better heart. That's exactly where I was getting at. Yeah, I could see that happening. And like Clayton just like being a little like, don't tell the girls you fucked them both in front of each other. <laughs> in front of each other yeah like too good for his own good kind of thing yes. I could see I could see him getting himself a little pickles yeah it's um, like, but sh- yeah <laughs> and being kind of gullible to like we've we've said this before that we think that he's going to be too gullible for his own good and like the you know well, for the powers that be of yeah. the bachelor it, franchise yeah it could almost be like another Matt James thing because Clayton wasn't on for that long and he wasn't that manipulated by the producers and didn't really get like a good look at like what was going on. Whereas someone who's made it much further that knows the ins and outs and what they do to, uh, you know, he's kind of going in semi-blind to the experience. Yeah. Yeah, Like Nate, like used his cancer crabness, like his hard shell in a way that was like, and we'll talk, and I know we're going to get to this, but if Nate wasn't chosen, they would have never chosen someone with Nate's personality for The Bachelor because he kept certain things in privacy for protection of his relationship. And like mm-hmm. he was very aware of what it sounds like in the di- different interviews of like how he was being manipulated and how, and him and Michelle both too smart to be yeah. manipulated by television mm-hmm. and, and anything and in the inner workings of it. So that's something they definitely have in common, which is really interesting. I think that that's, ultimately one of the biggest reasons they chose Clayton. 
let's get into some Bachelor Nation news and gossip, which is basically just going to be like a mini recap of some of the big podcasts that came out um, with interviews. So talking it out with Mike and Brian, um, they interviewed Nate and it was kind of painful to listen to, but I'm also very proud of Nate. Um, Melissa, why don't you explain what happened? We thought this was going to be like a wonderful powwow between, you know, Brian, who has so much in common with Nate. And Mm -hmm. after what you just told us about Brian's edit on Rachel's season, now I see they have even more in common. Mm -hmm. And then you have Mike Johnson, who, you know, he like is so lovey-dovey with everyone that comes on the podcast. He's so supportive of everybody, especially, you know, any any POC that's been on the show. So I thought this was going to go in a completely different direction, but it started with a lot of friction because Mike Johnson supposedly tweeted, I'm keeping my eyes on Nate. And Nate was like, why would you after being, it just seems like Nate didn't let it go. He held on to the cancer grudge Mm -hmm. and um, it's really sensitive. I mean, he's a lot more sensitive than he seems. I respected that there was a real conversation and we kind of got, you know, that all worked out, but I did not expect Nate to like use that moment to clear all his frustrations. I thought he would, you know what I mean? Like you would normally imagine someone sort of like faking it through. And I respect that he didn't, but like, you would think that he would have like faked it through or, or maybe have seen like how the interview was going to play out but it was so hard after that frustration to now go into like a real hunky dory yeah interview it was just you know and as much as and I don't think Mike Johnson did the best job at he was being um, such a Capricorn he was being such a Capricorn in this moment like not backing down and being like I made a mistake. I misjudged you. You know what I mean? Yes. Like next season, yes. I'm going to, you know, be more careful. Like you're right. But you know, yes, the editing and the, like, I understood what Mike was saying, but he was not backing down. And I agree with him. Cause I've been in Mike's shoes all the time, you know, yeah. I get it. But at his job is to also make his guests feel comfortable and like, and, fi- and find that middle ground. And I just really felt as though he wasn't meeting him in the middle anywhere I've never seen Mike Johnson as a Capricorn until I listened to that episode yeah I mean well the show is called talking it out so a part of me was like why didn't when he said that he knew he was coming on the podcast so he knew what he was doing and he knew that he was going to see more of you like that also made me wonder like why didn't he just reach out to him and say sorry about you know if there's any confusion about Mm -hmm. or or you know preconceived notions about this tweet I am so happy now or, you know, something to lighten it before they went into the interview. But then I'm like, then again, it's called talking it out. And they literally did talk it out and work it out on recording. Um, But I felt bad for Brian because it almost like withered away so much. It it just bit off so much time where we could have really gotten to know Nate. And like you said, I mean, <clears throat> Brian and him have a lot in common and yeah, they really could have fleshed that out. You know, like I understand like they didn't, you know, and Mike was almost speaking for Brian at mm-hmm. points where I'm kind of like, I think Brian should really take the lead here. 
Yeah, me too. Mike even says to Brian at one point, I think Brian was going to interject and like defend Mike a little bit. And he accidentally, it's so easy. We interrupt each other all the time. We interrupt our guests all the time. Like when you're not in person, it's really hard. Um, So he accidentally, Brian like accidentally stepped on Nate's words a little bit. And um, Mike was like, man, don't talk over him. Let him speak. Let him speak. I'm like, you let him speak, Mike. (laughs) Jesus. But um, I'm curious if the producers were loving this or were like, cut, cut, cut. Like, we don't want two of our like most beloved members of the franchise, like publicly fighting and not working it out. On the other end of it, you're right. The show is called Talking It Out. And I bet that they literally set it up. They manipulated both of them to be like, are you, you should confront him, you know, like you should talk about this. And they both took the bait. Yeah, I could see because that I didn't know that that tweet got so much steam and like was such a hoopla, mm-hmm. you know. So I think once the franchise maybe have seen, you know, what was going on and how people were reacting to it. But like, listen, the show was edited in a way that it was to make people want to keep their eyes on Nate. Mike's tweet was sort of like a reaction that a lot of people had, unfortunately, because of the way that they posed it. Mm -hmm. I, I get Nate's point too, though. And this is why like a lot of people need to practice having two minds and understanding there's two, you know, two ends of everything. Like you don't have to just pick one side of things. Mm-hmm. I'm Nate, I understand like, yeah, but you do know a lot about manipulation. So you should have kept an open mind. With all of that being said, one piece of information we got from the interview, which I loved was that they did a Michelle and Nate did a virtual Thanksgiving with Rodney and that mm-hmm. they're best friends and that Rodney might be his best man at their wedding. <laughs> yes. And that makes a lot of sense that Michelle posted that sweet um, mm-hmm. Instagram story about how Rodney's always going to be a friend for her. It definitely has to be awkward, like seeing Michelle and Rodney's uh, journey after, you know. Yeah. Like it's just, it's definitely funny, but it's so freaking cute. And it's meant to be, honestly, I just, I'm just happy that, you know, Rodney has great friends and he's beloved. Like Nate gave Rodney the respect he deserved. Yes, he really, really did. Um, And again, Rodney did as well on Caitlin Bristow's podcast, but at the time I didn't know how close they were. Yeah. And my other favorite part of the podcast was that they um, dove into the whole like Nate not having that sort of communication with his parents and having those type of discussions Mm -hmm. and how a lot of it is like culturally intertwined because I think that a lot of people aren't aware of how different cultures operate and it's nothing to yuck or yum it's just sort of the way it is I I can't I can't explain it you know what I mean like and the thing that he said about divorced parents and his dad and I'm like, I totally get that. Like, no wonder yeah. he seemed uncomfortable. So uncomfortable saying I love you to his stepfather in the back of his head, knowing his real father was going to see this and be extremely hurt. And I guess yeah. he, he didn't tell his dad. I have Nigerian friends and I know that education is so extremely important to their culture. And it is that way, like you don't really... um for a lot of them, they're not really bestowed the most typical parent-child relationship that you would expect until they have completed their education or like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, earn so-and-so credits. And I know that it might, 
it, it's definitely foreign to some people it might make other people uncomfortable but it's just the way it is for them and it's you know up to each generation to whether keep or change that and it seems that Nate's going to change that but I completely understand and respect it and like that's why we can't judge people like you know for not having like certain relationships or, or whatever like the way it is with their families like I'm sure he doesn't love that he grew up with grew up with that but it's something that he'll change for the future and I know Michelle will absolutely and so then um let's get into bachelor happy hour I didn't listen to that one is there a lot to say there it was cute because you got to kind of see them finish each other's sentences it was definitely such a um like based on what I've seen on in their chart it was like a example of everything because I know that I said that they there's a lot of obstacles for them to have a long-term relationship but again when you're looking at sinistry someone could have 50 obstacles but then you're looking at a married couple that's been together and they're 105 still in love you know what I mean like you can still it doesn't just ultimately determine some people are naturally able to just work through those obstacles or they have something like intuitively within them that can guard themselves or overcome those little obstacles and everything that they said in their interview seems like that's what they were doing because you know there's a sun and pluto conjunction and then him trying to keep certain aspects of their relationship private like he said the first time he said i love you to her was when the mics were off because he wanted that to be sacred and only between them. So like little things that they did to kind of maintain that like protection of their union seems to be like something that his soul knows is what's going to make this relation, you know, make this relationship more likely to sustain the test of time. And I think that they've, with the romantic connection that they ultimately show on their chart, their chart shows like so much romantic connection. It's just like the one, there might be these little things that could, you know, break them if they're not careful. And it seems like he's so aware of that. He's so aware of like every potential risk factor and like how to protect it. He wants to get, he doesn't believe in waiting to get married. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, cause like, I believe yeah. like if you, you are going to work through it, you have to work through it no matter what. And the people article also that came out, the people exclusive where those pictures are adorable. He's like giving her a piggyback ride. That's really cute um, <laughs> that. Yeah. They want to get married in a, in the summer. And it's like, he's like literally like this summer or next summer. It probably won't be this summer, but I could see them getting married next summer. A lot of people get married in June because that cancer season and they want like the blessings bestowed of all the cancer mm. elements of, you know, traditional like family and home and hearth and everything like that. So getting married in June is sort of a way to kind of like, up that you know like you know it kind of like bring better luck of all the the things that cancer can be blessed with and that's why I got married during cancer season um because I learned that and I think I'm getting married in the summer is sort of like it might be cancer season or it might be Leo season which is sort of cute too like big like heart chakra sign shout out to Brandon though (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But it's just so cute. And it's so like them, you know, yeah. and, and like the trajectory of their of 
their little astrological journey to like want a summer wedding. And, and ultimately that's all they know. And that's kind of exactly me and my husband were the same exact way where we were like, we just want to get married in the summer. Cause the days are longer. Like, we don't know when we don't know what year it might be 2020 five we don't care as long as it's it's they're kind of like on the same boat which is so cute you also saw michelle rag on um nate's cancer qualities like she was like yeah you know he's definitely the more emotional one like i can i come home and he's like singing and crying to an adele track and then (laughs) (laughs) so cute cute. and he was and she was saying that he doesn't he's the cleaner one cancer Mm -hmm. uh you know home home us, us like, air signs you know. are not the best housekeepers <laughs> yeah so she, he was like she, he's definitely more organized he, he doesn't let me cook he's like I like to cook I like to cook and it's just so oh, I so love cancer it. cancerian man a balanced cancerian man yeah. rather because you can find the opposite with the cancer it seems like they like really have what it takes like they're not they're not wasting any time and they're like super mm-hmm. committed to being committed which is all you can ask for yeah, well, then let's get to the last one, which is Brandon's interview on the Vile Files. Uh, Brandon, I mean, he killed the interview. He was so sweet. He also got defensive because Nick said to him, he goes, when I first saw you, you know, the first episode with the bed, and I thought you were a total fuck boy. And Brandon's like, I'm really hate it when people say this to me. I'm the opposite of a fuck boy. And I, why, why did you think I was a fuck boy? Please tell me. Brandon referenced that there were definitely some people there that were not there for the right reasons and they, that made it along relatively far and he wouldn't say who. Nick was like, oh, is it Martin? And he's like, no, Martin, it's, I'm not really talking about Martin. It's fine. Like, Nick's like, would you let Martin date your sister? And he's like, I wouldn't let (laughs) any of these guys date my sister <laughs> and <laughs> and he's like it's not because they're awful but like that's just really uncomfortable for me because I don't want to lose a friend and it was cute but he said that um he's really become extremely close with Clayton and Clayton was one of the only people besides his family to know what happened uh before he left for the bachelor and um also when Clayton left the show after Michelle broke up with him I think Brandon was about to go on his one-on-one date and was in an ITM and they brought Clayton in to say goodbye to Brandon. And oh, that makes me feel better about Clayton. I know. And they hugged and he was like, I think that you're the guy for Michelle, like, you know, get the girl buddy, like you've got this. And so, yeah, when Brandon got home, Clayton reached out to him right before he left for filming and was like really supportive and like there for him, which I, that made me like him a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're two love doves. Geez, that's why that's that's their kinship. I know. I, we need to find his full chart, like ASAP. Yeah. Um, now I now now I'm motivated. Yeah, I know exactly. So um, yeah, and you know, he also said a similar sentiment that like, well, he Nick was like, if Michelle called you and said it didn't work out with Nate and wanted to talk again, would you? And he was like, I would be her friend. I would be there for her. But then his little Leo side came out. And he was like, but I don't want to be anybody's second choice. And it would be extremely hard for me to like move forward. A little pride, a little pride. A little pride. But yeah, I mean, he, and he even mentioned like that he thought this process really did work for him and could see himself. Like, I think he really probably is definitely going to be in paradise um, for sure. And they'll probably pay him like one of the highest amounts, I would say, because, you know, they pay people now to go on paradise. So I 
I'm excited to see him hopefully find love. And it was a, it was a fun interview. I recommend it. And then there's actually just two other things outside of Michelle's world. I wanted to mention, I don't have them on here. One is <laughs> that Tasha um, liked a tweet of Zach's the other day. So I was looking on Zach's Instagram the other day on his stories, and he had this really pretty picture of this well, beautifully Christmasly lit liquor store. And at first I was like, oh, cute Christmas. And I was like, wait, why is he putting a picture outside of a liquor store? Is that like, that's kind of a weird thing for a sober person to do. I thought, oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh, okay. I wasn't even. Yeah. I mean, I was concerned. I was like, was this him like trying to like rile Tasha up to like get him her worried about him like he's no maybe he's with her I don't know and I don't know why he'd post that it just was kind of odd to me but I I know exposure is like a big part of the therapy I don't know like what his sober journey is like I don't know yeah you know what I mean no it's true I think it was substance abuse I mean I think it was all of it uh, you know yeah what he I don't said. know but yeah I just I hope he's okay and they're okay and I just I have a feeling one of the reasons she didn't come to the after the final rose was something to do with being upset or Zach or something like that it just kind of seemed off um and you know Tasha loves the limelight so I feel like they there's a potentially a way they could work it out I think so too so Venus we'll also, Venus is also in retrograde right now in the sign of Capricorn Mm. and they're both earth signs so the, i don't know if that's going to mean you know retrograde venus could be a lot of makeups but also a lot of breakups and a lot of shakeups. and then the other thing that just happened last night um and i had mentioned this a while ago on the show that there was rumors that michael a from katie's season was dating amanda klutz who was on dancing with the stars and she's a was a broadway person and you know her husband Nick was one of the first big names publicly to die of COVID and they had just had a baby and it was this really tragic story. And now she's like, her fame is like huge. She's a host on one of the daily talk shows. Um, But anyways, I guess she's from the Cleveland area too, the Ohio area. And last night, a picture was posted that she posted. She says, I finally get to meet this guy that I've been talking to on Instagram in real life. And he had his arm around her. And it was like, it was a little, it was chummy. So I think that maybe they could be talking, you know, exploring things. Wow. Yeah. They're both widows, you know, and I don't know. It could be, it could be interesting. I think it'd be real cute. Yeah. So let's, you know. And a happy ending for, you know, him, especially after, you know, everything he went through with Katie. for what's your sign is there anything left to say (laughs) I don't think there really is anything left to say um you know I'm just really happy for Michelle and Nate I posted on the Instagram that you know it was just the whole ending was just such a so fitting to a cancer stellium Michelle has cancer and mercury Nate has cancer sun cancer moon and cancer rising and they met right after cancer season which I think like given the way astrology works, right? You can put an astrology, you can make an astrology chart for everything and you can make an astrology chart for like the day they met, but you can also make an astrology chart for when the show was like starting its production. Yeah. And that technically that production for their journey started in cancer season. So I just think that's pretty 
uh, amazing. Cancer, just a reminder for people, is a sign assigned to the fourth house of ancestry, roots, and home. Therefore, home is simply where the heart is for them. Um, they received the down payment at the end of the episode, and that just couldn't be more cancer. The universe has its plan, and it's just like, you can call it a coincidence, but I call it astrology, you know? Seeing synchronicities is a sign that you are more in tune with, you know, the universe and like manifestation and everything like that. It's also a way of recognizing gratitude. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it also presents you gratitude because those little moments that make you feel so present to what's going on, it brings you peace. It also brings, like I said, uh, an appreciation to everything that's happening. Well, let's lastly, we've kind of dropped the ball on the throw it batch for this season. So we're going to end it with um, our final throw it batch of the season. Let's start off with Brandon. I am giving him the cocktail Bee's Knees, which has gin, honey, syrup, and freshly squeezed lemon juice. I'm giving him this because he is a class act, but also in the episode of The Vile Files, he mentioned that as Michelle was breaking up with him, a bee landed onto their hands and he's terrified of bees. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, and he even, meant, you notice, he mentions the bee very briefly on the, after the final rose with Michelle and everyone's watching at the time, like, what is he talking about bees? And then he explained it, that he's terrified of bees and it was actually sweet. The producer on the vile files chimed in and she was like, you know, bees landing on you so much means that they trust you and like you're a good person and maybe bees aren't a bad thing. Like and Nick's like, all right, so have you overcome your fear of bees now? You know, with thinking about like the significance of it. And he was like, absolutely not. I'm still terrified of bees. But that being said, maybe he will love bees one day. And so I gave him the bees knees. <laughs> I like that one. That And he is the bees knees. I'm going to give him, um, I know the holiday season just ended, but I'm going to give him the mistletoe margarita because he could use a sweet kiss. Um, The mistletoe margarita is just basically a Cosmo with tequila. Um, It is cranberry juice, triple sec lime juice, and tequila. So yeah, sweet kisses for Brandon. Adorable. Nate, I am giving him the love potion number nine which is ice, strawberries, vanilla ice cream, vodka, white creme de cacao, and a strawberry for garnish. I'm giving him this drink because there was really no way that Brandon had a chance against Nate. At the end of the day, it was love that Michelle felt like she's never felt before. It was like something took over her body. And even though Brandon said all of the right things, she just could not resist Nate. I'm giving Nate a basic drink, the mojito. Not because he's basic at all, but the mojito is a concoction of many steps. It's quite difficult to make, but it is so delicious and worth it in the end. So I think, and it's a tall glass. So, oh, I love that. It's very true. Nate's a tall glass of mojito. <laughs> Lastly, Michelle. I'm giving her floating on cloud nine because she's so freaking happy. Whipped cream vodka, crushed strawberry candy, strawberry liqueur, half and half, and crushed ice. This is a lot of strawberry uh, 
with these two going on that I've given them, but she just, <laughs> she seems so happy at the, after the final rose in the interviews. Like I've never seen her smile like she is now. My drink for Michelle is called Cupid's Hope. It is fitting because, you know, I do really have a lot of good feelings about this new union, but I don't want to see any more breakups. <laughs> I want to see this as successful as, you know, Rachel Lindsay and Brian, Jordan and Jojo. Yes. So, um, yeah. So the Cupid's Hope is vodka, lemon juice, rosemary syrup. Mm, yum. I actually want to drink this and pear juice. Mm, yeah. Good. Yeah. So, you know, Cupid, astrology, the universe. Yes. I Love hope that. you all did the right thing and this is going to be it's successful forever. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for joining us for this season of Throw It Batch for the Queen Michelle Young. We're very happy for her and Nate. And we really, I mean, we got some really great guys. Now we have Rodney in our franchise. Now we have Brandon in our franchise. Now we have Rick in our franchise. I hope he wasn't talking about Rick. I don't think he was. By the way, oh, side note, Rick posted on his Instagram um, a, a photo of him and his brother on Christmas. His brother might even be hotter than Rick. He is <laughs> There's so- a hot family. So hot. So, and Rick is moving to Chicago closer to me. Well, now I have a boyfriend, but anyways, Rick, <laughs> I'm, I'm still open for you if you want. Um, and yes, we will be covering Clayton season next week. We'll probably be a little bit delayed because of travel, but we will get it to you and we can't wait. Thanks all. It's airing next week. Yes. Yes. We, this was our only week off. Yes, I know. <laughs> Except it oh, wasn't. No. I know. Um, yeah. Oh. Well, please make sure to follow us at Throw It Batch Pod on Instagram. Happy holidays, everyone, and happy early 2022.